The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, as the uh, the country and really the whole world wrestle with uh, how to get back to normal, or even new, a new normal, um, a new book wrestles with... Uh, why healthcare shouldn't more than any other field be data driven using as much data in the smartest way possible to get to the best solution the book is uh, moneyball medicine thriving in the new data driven healthcare market by harry glarikian and uh, he is a, a global business expert in life sciences healthcare and diagnostics he joins me now by phone harry welcome to the show Oh, thank you for having me on the show. Great to be here. Um, Harry, what um, what does the new normal look like with regard to health care? We've seen some, some interesting changes during the, the pandemic. I, for one, have had my, my first video consult with a, with a doctor. Um, some of this some of this stuff is technology but some of it is is research and what what's going to be different going forward well you know um unfortunately you know that the normal is is that we're gonna we're gonna rethink that word um and so it's going to have a, a wide sweeping effects across the landscape uh you know, one of it, one of them driven just by the fact that, you know, we need to because we need to sort of protect certain people at certain ages, et cetera. Um, the other thing is, is because there's been sweeping regulatory and uh, payment changes so that it opens the door to allowing you to do very different things. But, you know, if you start from research, um, you know, I've seen more papers on this uh, you know, virus in, in this short period of time than I have in sort of, if you took all of infectious disease and put it together, uh, this one is outstripping it from a research perspective. So everybody 
is hyper-focused on trying to find out not just how to beat it, but um, how to manage it and, and what are its symptoms uh, and uh, all the information that goes with that. Uh, now you go into seeing your physician, as you said, uh, you saw somebody through video, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of appointments that you might have where, you know, seeing them in person is not going to necessarily make it any better. So using video may make it easier for you. You're not going to have to wait in traffic or wait in their office or be delayed. Um, so you can see this making a huge impact across a number of areas. And some of them um, will see business model shifts that the current you know, environment can't even begin to imagine. And, and there's something that's uh, that's haunting me a little bit about the title of your book, Harry. It's Moneyball Medicine: Thriving in the New Data-Driven Healthcare Market. Was the healthcare market not data-driven before? Uh, well, technically, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you understand what I mean by that, and I don't mean oh, to be absolutely. facetious, but the one no, no, absolutely the one thing we absolutely. count on in life is that healthcare is based on science. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, if 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 I, you know, you just think back, um, not that long ago, right? There, there were if you if you go eight years or so back. When you walked into your doctor's office, usually what's the first thing you saw lining the walls, right, behind the station? It would be file cabinets, you know, stacked to the brim with paper, right? Um, As they're handing me a clipboard. Correct. (laughs) With more paper. And you could... Right, with more paper. (laughs) And and there's, there's a lot of data in those papers, but as you know... Trying to go get, you know, looking at data by looking in a file folder is not trivial. Um, you can't do longitudinal. You can't look at somebody over time. You can't say, you know, this trend line looks like it's going up or it's going down. You can't put alerts on it. You can't look at one person versus another person easily. It's very old school, like real old school. So when the uh, Reinvestment and Recovery Act got put into place and the government said, you must shift to an electronic medical record. That was the, you know, first shot across the bow of this industry needs to be part of the digital age. And that was when it first started to shift into a high level of data that you could now say is data driven. Um, And you see doctors do it all the time. They look at you, they size you up, and they say, this is what we're going to do. Well, are you sure? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of dependent on you being the smartest person in the room right now. But in reality, if you, if you looked at all the data, sometimes the data contradicts what the doctor may recommend. Um, and people just do things out of habit. Um, unfortunately, it's, just, it's, it's part of human nature. You can't change it. Um, I'll give you the, per- the per- perfect example. So when my uh, mom was dying of pancreatic cancer, I was in the room and uh, they had done surgery on her. 
and um, the nurse had come in, and my mom was waking up, and she was squirming because um, she was seemed uncomfortable. And the nurse says, uh, you know, I'm going to give her a sedative to relax her. And I thought, well, oh, that makes sense to me. I, you know, I'm who am I to judge whether you should or shouldn't do that? So about half an hour later, the doctor comes in, and he shakes his head at me, and he goes, God, you know, this does not look, I'm, I am not happy about this. And I, I said, what, what are you worried about? What, what's going on? Why are you worried? He goes, well, she's not really active and moving. I said, Doc, if you looked at the system. At the, at the chart, yeah. They just gave her this medication. That's not how oh he was really upset by the way he went he went he said where's the nurse and i was like oh my god somebody's going to get their head on a platter but you can you can see how they they don't learn data genomics these subjects are not things that are spent they, they don't spend a lot of time on it in uh med school and so that needs to completely change You're, what you're looking for in the future is a cross between a physician and a data scientist with bedside manner. Yeah, because what what may have been causing discomfort could have been a lumpy mattress. Uh, there could have been all sorts of stuff, but I know what, you know, he was like trying to figure out, is she recovering from the surgery? Right. And I'm not going to see that if she's out cold. Um, but, but there's, there's so many, so many stories I can tell you where, you know, the data clearly says that some therapeutic approach is working and a physician says, well, let's try this new thing. Well, let's try this different path. And you, you haven't seen it be a positive outcome. Uh, whereas the data was showing that something was working, but they chose to not follow the data. Um, and being a, you know, a business person, right, an investor in the space and so on and so forth, you know, data is all, you know, the way that we make all of our decisions. Um, you know, we may use a hunch every once in a while, but if your profits are going down or, you know, things are changing on the balance sheet, that's a clear indication that something is, is, is not working. And so we fundamentally change the way that we do things. And I believe that everybody will benefit from this shift of being data-driven. You can see since the Affordable Care Act went into play, and I know a lot of people will say, I hate the Affordable Care Act. And whenever I ask them, I'm like, have you read the Affordable Care Act or have you looked at the details of the Affordable Care Act? And of course, most people have not because it would put you to sleep. Um, There's a, a part in there that says, We actually want to pay for positive outcomes, not negative outcomes. And when I say that to people, most people go, oh, that that would be good. I would like to pay for something that actually works as opposed to doesn't work. And so what that means is everybody has to start using data to manage their patients to understand what's working and what's not working. When you talk about data-driven healthcare, what... What does that look like? What what are the mechanics of that? Does that require um, new 
people as part of a medical team that are IT specialists that that collect this information and put together the the appropriate um, what uh, graphs and charts and 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 so on. I mean, what what does it really look like? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, you're you are you know, there's a lot of good software being developed on the back end. Um, there are systems right now that are being tested that, um, you know, God forbid you're in the uh, ICU um, or intensive care unit. Uh, you know, there's software out there that can sort of be scanning and say, this person in the next 24 to 48 hours is going to have a serious problem and can highlight that to the ICU physicians so that they can almost, you know, predictively manage you before there's a problem because the machine through the software can see problems that a human being with all the beeps and the boops, right, they're walking through, cannot identify the patterns that are happening. Um, I can put together a, a simple system like Geisinger Health Systems has a, uh, a diabetes monitoring system for their type 2 diabetics that sort of <clears throat> watches these people uh, based on their blood sugar and nurses will proactively call them and, you know, say, hey, something doesn't look right, you know, how can I help, uh, you know, et cetera. Um, doctors will help with the harder cases. But what they saw is in less than three years of putting a very simple system in place, uh, they were actually able to see a drop in comorbidities, which the definition of a comorbidity is not that the diabetes is killing you, but what the diabetes is causing is killing you or causing a problem. Uh, they saw that number drop by like 23 or 24% across 35,000 people. Wow. So... You, you you cause that big of a drop in that big of a population. First of all, now everybody's just living a healthier life, which makes the patient happy. But it's also a huge savings to the system because you don't have all these people having these detrimental problems that we need to then spend money on. So, you know, when the data is used and you put in these, a lot of simple systems, not even, you know, hugely complex, you can have a huge effect on the health of the patient, but at the same time, you can save a ton of money. More with global business expert Harry Glarickian straight ahead.
is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. I was telling you a little while ago about my wife, and I don't want you to be confused, but we were, I've been married more, more than once. In fact, I've been married three, three times. But my first two wives each died a very tra- tragic death. My first wife died from eating po- poisoned mushrooms. And my second wife died from a fractured skull. She wouldn't eat her mushrooms. How do you do, 
ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsi than flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with global business expert Harry Glarickian straight ahead. You know, just as there are uh, science deniers, there are likely to be people that are data deniers. Um, what? How do you make the case to, to people that are doubtful about data and, and what's collected and how it's presented? You know, um, you know at some point, uh, you know, there are certain people that I just, no matter what you say, it's no, right? It's, maybe it's <laughs> like, um, you know, uh, but you know, for anybody that's actually willing to sort of <clears throat> at least have a conversation where there's a back and forth, it's, you know, there are numerous very complex data analytics, you know, I could share with them two very, very simple data analytics, um, like where your Apple Watch <clears throat> and a software program can warn you ahead of time whether you have sleep apnea you're pre-diabetic, or you have an arrhythmia. Now, if you really care about your own health, you probably want to know about these things. Um, if you don't, there's not a whole lot I can do to help you. But most people don't want to die from one of these diseases because it's not, it's not a pleasant way to go. Um, so I think there are many examples that you could give them on how or, or if one of their relatives were, were ill, and you could say, we have the choice of four medications we could give them. And you could go off of uh, what the doctor may recommend, which is probably based on some sort of large study which says everybody sort of reacts to these medications the same way, which is completely not true. Um, or you could use genomics or genetics to identify which drug will have the best effect on that patient. And so they may change their mind when it's not them, and but it's their loved one. Um, so there's, there's many, many really great examples of how this has made a difference. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard about simple examples like the Apple watch that when you fell off, uh, the, uh, the gentleman that fell off his bike got a concussion. The Apple Watch first uh, alerted his son and then called 911. The yeah, guy they, woke the, up in the ambulance, uh, you know, on the way to the hospital, and everybody had already been alerted. And that was a data-driven event. Are, are, there, um, are there privacy concerns in a data-driven healthcare market? There's always a privacy concern in anything where we're moving towards the digital uh, realm. Um, and to be quite honest, I think people don't, they don't even understand how much data they're giving up in their day-to-day -day use of their phone or Facebook or anything else. I mean, the amount of data that you can have on someone right now is... Um, I think it would shock people 
beyond imagination. Is, and, and is there are no good privacy rules there? Is uh, uh, any expectation of privacy these days uh, unrealistic? I think any expectation of privacy in the consumer world is 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 completely uh, not based in any sense of reality. It's, it's just the cat is out of the bag. Um, and unfortunately, the people representing us in government aren't up to speed on what's going on to put the right things in place to protect, you know, the population. Um, healthcare at least has laws like, you know, HIPAA and other things that will are supposed to keep all of our medical records confidential, uh, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, my biggest hope is always that, it, you know, somebody in government that, that, you know, reads my, my book or, you know, reads maybe Chapter 7 on value-based medicine will sort of understand or start to understand the implications of where we're going with this from a privacy perspective or a patient protective perspective. Um, so with any great technology, there's a positive and there's a negative. Um, and this this direction that we're going to is unbelievably powerful in a sense of you will be able to help patients become healthy or stay healthy or stay ahead of problems um, much longer through a data-driven approach uh, than you would the, the old way because the old way only pays people when they do something and when you're sick. This new direction that we're trying to take in the country is we're going to pay people for keeping you healthy. And I, for one, I, I would much prefer <laughs> staying healthy than being sick. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a no-brainer there, Harry. Um, my guest is uh, Harry Glorickian. Um, am I saying that right, Harry? Glorickian. Glorickian. Yep. Okay. Um, he is a global business expert uh, in life sciences, healthcare, and diagnostics. His new book is uh, Moneyball Medicine Thriving in the New Data Driven Healthcare Market. Um, Harry, uh, is, is the book out? Yes, it's, it's, it's on Amazon. It's available. Uh, it's very easy to find. You know, I also have a podcast by the exact same name. So if people are interested in this sort of, in these sort of areas, I, I talk to people all over the world on, uh, you know, data and, uh, particular areas of, of healthcare or drug discovery that, uh, data is really changing how people do things. Um, is is how data is collected and analyzed changing as technology evolves? Um, are, are there uh, things that we're going to be able to do in two years that we couldn't do two years ago? It's it's moving so fast. It's uh, you know the perfect example could be like the you know what we talked about with uh, the coronavirus where. Um, you know, I was at the company that was doing the sequencing for the SARS virus. And when we did it back then, I, I, if I remember correctly, it took us almost four months to do the sequencing. Um, with the coronavirus, it took two days. So you can see a significant time shift on that. Uh, and with 
you know, Apple and Google and all, all these different companies improving sensor technology and capabilities. Sensors are getting smaller. They're getting easier. You're going to be able to measure stuff that, you know, you used to have to go to a hospital before to, to do. And now you can, you'll be able to do it. You won't even notice it. It'll be happening in the background. When when we talk about the development of um, medicines and, and treatments and so on, and, and with coronavirus, some of this has been accelerated by, by skipping some of the usual steps in research. Um, animal testing, for example, and going right into uh, clinical trials with humans. Um, is... Is there going to be something that allows us to um, going forward to to learn from that and say maybe some of the steps that we were taking were just taking time and not really adding significantly to the outcome? I think this is an opportunity like none other to evaluate what we have been doing because now we're going to have some real world data to hold it against. However, there are certain safety things that we've learned, you know, through time and time again, that maybe we should have this, you know, um, you know, the sign that says, don't press the red button. We know one of those things to make sure that, you know, we don't do something we shouldn't do. Uh, on the other hand, yeah, but you know what happens steps. when you put that sign up, Harry. <laughs> Don't push yes, the red yes. button. Uh, there's, 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 yeah, my kids watch enough of those uh, animated movies for me to know that the guy's going to go and push the little red button. Yeah. It's, um, it's all you can think about once somebody puts up that sign says, "Do not touch." <laughs> uh, but, but there are guardrails up for, you know, some very, very good reasons. Um, you know, sometimes we give people a medication and, you know, two or three years later, uh, you know, it's not good. Uh, we see things that we did not expect because we didn't put it through the studies that it needed to go through. Um, but at the same time, I would tell you that I've seen, um, you know, one of the companies I was talking to in my podcast is what they did was they were able to take the SARS antibodies that work as a therapy and uh, because SARS and coronavirus are related um, in a matter of a month and a half or so they were able to look at six million different changes that they could make to the antibody to then bring it down to a handful that they could take into the lab and sort of test now even two years ago, you could not have made that sort of uh, computational uh, analysis that quickly. Um, and now they're testing them in hamsters. And assuming they get the right level of support, you could have a therapeutic product uh, by the fall. Now, it's not a vaccine, but if you happen to get the coronavirus and be affected by it in a bad way, uh, this sort of therapy might, you know, save your life. But this is a completely data-driven, you know, approach. Uh, and the, actually, it's funny because the guy is the star 
uh, person in the um, Netflix series Pandemic. It's his company, and uh, he's doing some absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal work, uh, you know, utilizing data. But there, there's many, many different examples of that. Um, I, I just don't believe in taking our, all the guardrails off. Um, how, you know, experience over the last 30 years has told me that's that's really not a good idea. How close are we um, in, in getting to the point where treatments, uh, vaccines, medications um, can actually be tailored to an individual? We're already there. We are, we are in, in many, many ways, uh, and there are many, many, many examples that we are already there. Um, if I take something like lung cancer as an example, um, not that long ago, uh, if you had said to me, you know, I'm, I have lung cancer, I'd be like, oh, that's not good. I mean, it's not good, period, but it's really bad. Um, I mean, and I could do the statistics, and it would, it would not be positive. Um, and now we can actually do the genomics on the tumor of your lung cancer, and there's a number of different drugs that may make a world of difference for you. Um, you know, if, if you go back five or ten years, uh, you know, those numbers were less and less of what was available to be used. Uh, the problem has been having that in a, in a uh, widespread way so that it's available to patients that um, there's a lot of doctors that don't have experience in this area. And so they, you know, you give somebody a new tool and they're like, I, I don't know how to use this tool. So they may not use it or they may be unfamiliar on how to use it. Um, there's, a, there's, there's certain ridiculous impediments to getting this out there faster than you and I would think that should be possible. Well, and that's also because technology and and, uh, uh, and and the internet has made it possible for research to be done not just in a handful of big labs around the country and the world, but in garages and basements and attics. I mean, there's so much more work being done simultaneously now. Well, it's it's you know. I- I really do think that we're at the point, we're at the precipice, that if the country doesn't want to go bankrupt because of what we're spending on health care and what we're predicted to spend on health care, uh, there needs to be a rethink of how we approach the space. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for people doing whatever they want to do, but I believe that there's a way to incentivize a free market system to move to embrace the right technologies that would lower the cost of healthcare overall, but still uh, create a very lucrative environment for people to have a business and make money. So I think you can satisfy both sides um, without driving the country into, you know, Ruined. One of the things about uh, 
data-driven anything is that there is so much data available now that people have a difficult time knowing where to turn to um, collect data. Uh, there are so many places to go. Are, are there some good resources that are centralized? I mean, obviously your book is a great place to start, but um, what are some resources that people can turn to to get good information um, about what's being what's being done and and what trends are. Well, the, you know, you know, obviously, I wouldn't believe everything I read on the internet, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what uh, Abe Lincoln says. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, you know, I, I always look at you know reputable sources, right? Um, you know someone might like me will look at um, journals that, you know, are more scientific so that I can look at the data and, and sort of make my own assessments. Um, some of the, uh, the, um, the media out there, you know, whether you're looking at uh, good articles by uh, reputable media outlets uh that do the investigative reporting level, not just sort of, you know, the, the top level, uh, you know, soundbite are, are good places where you can sort of get your teeth around it. There are um, publications like there's one called STAT, S-T-A-T. They do absolutely amazing work in the space. Um, if you look at uh, publications like Economy, uh, which is X. Uh, C-O-M economy, uh, like economy, but with an X, um, that put out good work. Uh, there are certain places where you can look where you will get, you know, objective work on this uh, uh, and views into this uh, to see where things are going and how things are changing. Um you know, the 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 problem is is it's moving so fast, and the existing system is unable to keep up with the changes. And if patients knew like all the changes that are there that they don't have, isn't readily available. I think you know patients should be a little annoyed that it's not available. Um. You know, what, um, Harry, what are a couple of uh, important takeaways from your new book? Uh, one is that, uh, you know, going down this path of paying for outcomes as opposed to paying for everything that the system does forces the system to provide much, much, much better services to the patient. So... If you don't like anything else in the Affordable Care Act, that's the one piece you want to keep, <laughs> right? <laughs> don't, don't change that one piece. You can work on all the rest, but don't change that one piece because um, it will move a free market system to a better place. Uh, so don't let, don't let Washington or anybody else screw that part up. Um, and, and by the way, CMS, the, the CMS right now, the leader we have at CMS right now, I mean, from what I can tell, she's doing a fantastic job. Um, second thing is, is uh, data and these technologies can help you 
be a healthier person. They can, they can highlight something to you before you even know that it's happening. Um, and so you can sort of course correct if you want to. I mean, if you don't want to, you can do whatever you want. But if you wanted to manage yourself better, you can. Um, and, and it just it highlights a number of things that I think that anybody that wants to understand how to manage themselves better as they get older in life, um, uh, it, it, it's just paramount for them to understand what's happening Um you know, even even rules like price transparency. Um, can you imagine that you call up and you say, well, how much is this going to cost? And they say, we can't tell you. What do you mean you can't tell me? Haven't you done a million of these surgeries? Yeah, but we can't <laughs> tell you. Right? I, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it, uh, it's mind-boggling, right? I mean, you could say, look, it could be between this much and this much, right? And the reason is is because everybody does a surgery slightly differently. Well, what if I told you that Geisinger Health Systems in Western Pennsylvania has a money-back guarantee on surgery? They talked to all their surgeons, got everybody together, and everybody agreed. Go, We're all going to do it this way because we know this is the best way to do it. I don't have Picasso and Rembrandt and, Mo- and you know all these different people painting or doing the surgery a different way. I have them standardized on the best way to do it. And because they're doing it one way, the parts per defect have gone down to the point where the CFO of Geisinger said, yeah, we can do a money-back guarantee on surgeries. That's amazing. Harry, we've got kind of got to wrap it up here. My guest is uh, Harry Glorecki, and the book is uh, Moneyball Medicine, Thriving in the New Data-Driven Healthcare Market. Harry, um, I, I want to thank you for spending time with me and, and sharing some of this uh, information. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can uh, find out more about you and uh, the work that you do. Do you have a website? Yes, it's uh, it's uh, www and then my last name, G-L-O-R-I-K-I-A-N.com. Um the book is available on Amazon, so very, you know, should be very easy to find. Uh, and then, um, you know, if they're interested in these sort, sort of subjects, uh, I have a podcast by the exact same name, uh, Moneyball Medicine. If you just search it up or Moneyball Medicine Podcast, you will find it on any of the available systems that are out there. Well, Harry, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure and an honor to get a chance to chat with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, uh, stay, stay healthy and safe. This is, this is not going to be over for some time. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was uh, Harry Glorickian, author of Moneyball Medicine, Thriving in the New Data-Driven Healthcare Market, and he's also um, the host of a podcast by the same name. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight <laughs>
This is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Have you ever been on television before? No, it's my first time. first time on. Yeah. Well, let me explain to you what we're going to do. Fine. First of all, we work this show with three cameras. Three cameras? Yes, we have three cameras. We have one in the center over here, uh-huh. we have one on the side, oh, yeah. and one over here on this side. Oh, yeah. Now, all three of these cameras are immobile. They're where? They're fixed. I didn't know that. Yes, they're stationary cameras. Oh, oh, oh. They don't move. You said fixed, doesn't yeah. it? Well, they're fixed in place. I had my cat fixed. We can go there. Oh, no, no, no. It's not the same thing at all. Oh, so, terrible Tom, we used to call it. So, so, so uh, what's important is... Oh, he was the terror of the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, one... Woo! Yes. We had to have him fixed. Yeah, but I want you to pay attention He to just me. sits in the bread box and stares at me now. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's very important that you... We call him Sam Spade. All right. Now, just forget about your capture. Maybe I have to explain to you what we're going to do. Well, the important thing is just look at the camera where you see the red light. First of all, we'd like you to uh, tell us something about yourself. We know that you are a doctor. Yes, a DM. An MD. MD. An MD. <laughs> doctor, and uh, in medicine today, it seems to me that most men are specializing. Well, what's happened an awful lot to today in medicine is that we have found that uh, in medicine that many of the people, particularly the doctors, are specializing. Yes, well, I'm certainly glad you cleared that up for us. Uh, we were uh, talking about that old last Thursday down at the doctor place. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. <laughs> and, uh, and how about you, doctor? What's yours? Uh, bourbon, if you have it. No. Well, doctor, I, I mean, in, uh, in what field do you operate, sir? Well, we don't operate in the field. We have a new building. No. <laughs> Some of the older ladies complain of grass stains. <laughs> Well, are you in obstetrics? No, we're down next to the elevator. No. Doctor, I, I mean, you do have a specialty. Someone comes to see you. Your name's on the door there. Oh, yes. And uh, it's yes. your specialty. Right. I'm a surgeon. Surgeon. C-E-R-G-O-N. <laughs> You're a general surgeon? Yes, I do. You uh, you do general surgery? Yes, I am. Well, which I was correct, of course, we realize you don't operate alone. No, we like to have a patient there. Uh, you go cutting right through the wood otherwise. <laughs> Doctor, I, I mean that you do have a crew to assist you. Oh, if I you see, I'm asking you these questions because I would imagine there must be thousands of young men around the country. Well, there must be. I can't get on a golf course. Yes, I But I've been watching our program tonight, and I'll bet you a lot of these young fellows are interested in medicine. Well, I hope so, uh, because we've got a lot of it we're trying to sell. No, uh, no, no. They don't want to buy any medicine. We're overstocked in Oreo mass. No, doctor. I mean, some of these young fellows watching the show tonight might have an interest in a medical career. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we certainly need them. Well, we need them down at the doctor place. Oh, the hospital. The hospital. Yes. I think these young fellows should realize 
you just don't get to be a doctor. No, sir. You've got to study. 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 Long, hard period of training. You certainly are. You have to study everything. Study is as study does. Isn't that the truth? You must read lots of pamphlets oh, yes. and hang around the drugstore. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, pharmaceuticals is a great study. It certainly can. Yeah. Doctor, you were very high in your class. No, I get high on weekends. No, 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 doctor. You graduated magna cum laude. Magna cum laude. Right, right there. Number one in the class of over 400. 412, yes, sir. I was class president and uh, captain of the lacrosse team. Is that so? And I was also the uh, valedictorian. Valedictorian. That's the one. Valedictorian in your class. In your valedictory address, doctor, you included a motto. I certainly will. Now, I haven't heard this motto, but I understand this is the thought that you claim is responsible for having put you in this eminent position you now uh, enjoy in the medical world. Medical world is as medical world does. Well, that isn't the motto. No, 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 no. Well, I wonder if we could prevail upon you, doctor, to pass your motto on to our television audience at this time. You know it might help some of these young fellows would like to follow in your footsteps. I'd be more than coil. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you. I knew you were talking. Thank you. The motto that has helped me through life and through school, and it goes, how many times have we jumped over and said to ourselves, let's go back. These are the new things, and throw out, and we go back and say, how many, and that's not enough. We must feel in our hearts that the highway of light is paved, and we must walk the white line of light and know that each of us that has ever and gone back has known that the new, don't touch me, the newness, we can feel that as you lift it, lift it as you. Know not why, but why know not. These are the things that we worry. All of us, gather a whole big bunch of it and throw it against the wall sometimes. some of your valuable time and spending it here with us tonight. Well, I feel that if I can bring, uh, and, and whether or not, yes, well, I'm still working on throwing it against the wall, so we'll work on that. But I, I did want to ask you one question before you left, Doctor. Uh, you're familiar with this great problem that's uh, uh, just covering the whole world, the population exposure. Oh, big problem. Big, big problem. problem. And, and I, oh. I don't have the figures oh. readily at hand, but I understand that somewhere in the world there's a woman having a baby every couple seconds. Yes, that's the problem. We've got to find her and stop her. Oh, all right, Doctor. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. I'm just a little 
a little dab right across your breast. Just when you think it's over, all of a sudden, you will feel a tingle around your belly button. Your tongue, your, your root doctor. Yeah, the Root Doctor wrapping things up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to uh, all of the guests that were uh, on the show today. Um, I want to talk uh, first. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Moneyball Medicine podcaster and author Harry Glorickian this uh, past hour. And in the hour uh, prior to that, the uh, PETA General Counsel Jeff Kerr. I also want to say thanks to my co-host, Andrea Sutton, who spent the first hour with me. She'll be with me uh, tomorrow morning when we kick things off at 9 a.m. for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And um, we'll have uh, joining us uh, tomorrow um, economist Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan, Flint. And that'll be followed, of course, by, uh, since tomorrow is Wednesday, Armchair Politics. If it's Wednesday, it's Armchair Politics. East Village Magazine editor Jan Worth Nelson joins our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left, and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. For uh, Armchair Politics, we'll look at uh, local, state, and national news and headlines, uh, as well as uh, some selected quotes and, of course, the coveted X-Files. It's Armchair Politics coming up tomorrow. And uh, I guess with that, I'll just thank everybody who called in uh, or uh, who tuned in this morning and uh, listened to the show. Great to have you along and uh, let you know that if there's uh, anything you ever miss, I usually post what the shows are, uh, who's going to be on the show, and so on on Facebook. And if there's one you miss, you can always check it out at the archives. Now, there's Smoke and George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But uh, um, before I go, I'll say happy birthday again to Ringo Starr from the Beatles. And um, I guess to uh, everyone, have a great day and evening. Try not to get overheated. Stay hydrated. Do all the things you got to do to bear the heat. And uh, we'll meet you back here tomorrow morning at 9. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. 
This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.